0: Let us turn our hearts to God in prayer. Our Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you and we thank you for your love for us through Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your permanent presence with us through the Holy Spirit and the certain hope that we have like an anchor for our soul that we will see you face to face in peace because of the blood of Christ and his righteousness. And as we think afresh about Christ, God give us wisdom and grace. To hear from you today, please help me to have the grace and the humility, the sensitivity to the leading of your spirit, to speak your truth in a loving manner, that brings edification to your people and glory to you. None of us are worthy, O Lord, but sufficiency from you has come to us in Christ, and we pray that you'd make that plain in the hearts of your people. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We have been uh, in a series on victorious living leading up to the great victory of Jesus Christ, our Savior, in his resurrection from the dead, his defeat of death and the grave, of Satan, of sin. And this morning, which we typically recognize as Palm Sunday, a day when the emotions about Jesus were mixed, and there were those who shared some devotion for him, and there were others who had little devotion for him. We want to look at a story that Jesus himself said would always be remembered whenever the gospel is preached with respect to his death. So we want to think about this particular lady who showed uh, extravagant devotion for Jesus Christ, and we want to see what we can gather and learn about Christ from her worship of him. If you have a Bible, I'd invite you to turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark, the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 14. I'll be reading verses 1 through 11, Mark 14, please hear God's word. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from from the people. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper... But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, What she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priest in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought an opportunity to betray him. When I was much younger, Some of you may remember these days when, for Christmas, you get money from your aunts and your uncles. And uh, I remember one Christmas I got $57. That may seem like pocket change to you, but back in the day, that was dough, pal. And um, at that same time, I had a great love for uh, model railroading. I still have somewhat of a love for that, but... um, so I went to the mall and blew all $57 on train stuff. It didn't phase me at all because I was in love. I was devoted to my little trains. I could care less about the $57. Perhaps you remember in 1997, the movie Titanic and how Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, Jack and Rose, remember? He put her on that little piece of wood, and there was enough room on that wood for him. (laughs) You know there was. But he wasn't going to have it. He was going to sacrifice himself for his love. And you remember when they, when the boat went by and the people were looking for people, and his death taught her how to live. She got that whistle, remember, and she started blowing that whistle, because she wanted to live. She just found out how to live, because of the way Jack died. And she got off that boat. She had that big diamond in her pocket she didn't even know about. She took his name. She said, my name is Rose Dawson. She took his name. She held on to that diamond, and she got her old woman. Remember Gloria Stewart? She got on that boat. She had that diamond. She thought about Jack. She threw that thing overboard. I'd have jumped in after that thing if it was me. (laughs) But she threw it away because she thought about the sacrifice of Jack. What he gave up was worth so much more than that diamond. She just said, you can have it. I was taught how to love. I learned it from Jack. Remember what she said? He saved me in every kind of way a person could be saved. It's interesting how people pick up those subtle nuances from the gospel. She was devoted. You know, Satan's agenda is to lead us astray, as it says in the Bible, from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. That's what he wants. To keep you from jealously worshiping and honoring and serving Jesus with all that you are and all that you have. And he does it by blinding us from beholding Jesus' glorious passion for us. That's his agenda. He doesn't want you devoted to Jesus. And he gets us When he keeps our minds off of how Jesus is devoted to us, it's the way he always works. But Jesus is worthy of our greatest possessions because he poured himself out for us. Jesus, we find in this passage, is in is in Bethany. You remember Lazarus and Martha and Mary are from Bethany, and Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, and. In John's account of this particular story, or one very similar to it, it's probably the same one, Jesus is being honored at someone's house for the work he did with Lazarus, raising him from the dead. And and in that particular passage, it talks about how Mary, she, she poured this ointment on him and wiped his feet with her hair. Such passion, such intimate passion and devotion for him. Here in this particular story, this woman takes this very costly spikenard, which is a, a season, a, um, a perfume, uh, probably gained from India. It's very costly. It's a sacrifice that she makes. It's, it's a family heirloom, no doubt. It's a gift poured out on Jesus. And Jesus says it's poured out on him for his burial. And she was prodigal. She was extravagant in the way she anointed Jesus. You notice what the indignant crowd thought and what they said that that this this ointment was worth probably a year's wages. A Daenerys was one day's wage. And this is over 300 days of wages all wrapped up in a alabaster flask and she broke it and dumped it on Jesus' head. Poured it out on Him because of her devotion. Because of her love for Him. Do you love Jesus like this? Are we this devoted? She loved Him. And He loved her. And He loves you no less. There's a hymn written years ago where it's almost as if Jesus is singing it and He sings, I gave my life for Thee. My precious blood I shed that Thou mightst ransom be and quicken from the dead. I gave, I gave my life for Thee. What hast Thou done for me? That's the whole motivation for everything we do for Christ is what He's done for us. Jesus is worthy of our greatest possessions because He poured Himself out for us. Jesus emptied Himself. As Paul said in Philippians 2, He emptied Himself on the cross. He emptied Himself for us. Jesus became sin. He became cursed for us. He poured Himself out for us. He was prodigal. He was extravagant. He lavished His love upon us so that we might receive the blessing of the promised Holy Spirit. Communion with God. God dwelling within us. Us being made the the very dwelling place of God. That communion with God might be restored. That we'd be back in the garden, but only better than in the garden. We'd be in fellowship with the triune God forevermore. A fellowship that could never be broken. A relationship that could never be broken. Surely Jesus deserves our very best. You remember how able, how he, how he gave his very best to the Lord. The Bible is very specific in comparing him with his brother Cain. It says that Abel gave of his sacrifice. It specifies it was his. Because he gave up something that was his. He gave first to God. The very first to God. And he gave the fat portions. He gave the most pricey, the most expensive things to the Lord because he knew that God was worthy of it. His faith in the Lord's love taught him that there was a seed who was coming to bleed and to feed those in need who used to be weeds and to make us like wheat, worthy, weighty, like Jesus. All we are and all we possess should be ready and available be given to Jesus. No matter what it is, no matter how costly it might be, we should be ready to let go if God calls us to, for Him. Paul said it um, like this about his life. At one point in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, he says, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage Now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul said he was eager to give up his life, if necessary, in devotion to Jesus Christ. All we are and all we have, in fact, belongs to Jesus. All we have to live on all of our life his love constrains us to the purest, utmost, and complete devotion to Him. But there are those who were indignant. It says in verse 4. They saw it as a waste. A waste. When we allow noble acts, there's nothing wrong with giving to the poor. It's something that we should all be ready to do in in Galatians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul said that's one of the things he was eager to do. They said, whatever you do, Paul, when they commissioned him, remember the poor. And he said, it's the very thing I was eager to do. But whenever we allow noble acts to take precedence over passionate worship and devotion for Jesus, if our worship is secondary and seen as adolescent, Seen as something that is a waste of good time and resources. Something that, um, let's just get on and serve people. Let's just do what we need to do to serve others. And we sidestep and we go around worshiping Jesus first and don't set it as a priority and a precedent and a preeminent calling in our life. It messes everything up. It messes up all of our service and all of our devotion to others. We do a disservice to ourselves, to the church, to Jesus, to the poor, because we come at it with the wrong mind. We don't come at it as those who, who are poor. We're poor. We're broken people. When Jesus found us, we were bankrupt. We were lost. We were dead in our transgressions and sins, and it's when we take time to meditate on what Christ has done for us in our deepest impoverished state. When we worship Him at the foot of the cross and remind ourselves that we once were lost, that gives us the power, it gives us the motivation, it gives us the mind to take serving the poor and others in the right way. Because we come at it not in a condescending way, not in a way that I'm coming to fix you or to straighten you out. We come as those who are beggars, who somehow by the grace of God have found bread and there's plenty to spare. Come, let me tell you a story about how Jesus saved me, how He washed me, how He clothed me, how He filled me, how He set me ready for glory, how He's given me hope, how He's given me change, and He can do it for you. It changes the whole dialogue. It changes the whole conversation. We're not the Messiah. We're not the ones coming to fix people. There's a Messiah who sits on high and He's lifted us up. It changes our conversation. Saving the poor and the needy who have often been disenfranchised discarded can be very challenging very exhausting often a very thankless job of labor it can be potentially dangerous and it can become very depressing when you see how people have been discarded how they have been torn how they have been separated from family and friend how they have been left with nothing it can be depressing it can be exhausting It can make you give up hope. But there is something about having as our essential daily fixation how Jesus impoverished Himself for us, poor in spirit, bankrupt. The Bible says you know the grace of God. You know the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor. So that you through His poverty might become rich and enriched. What person was ever richer than Jesus Christ? What person ever became poorer than Jesus Christ? Jesus is the poor person, as someone said, par excellence. He's the poorest of the poor. He took the lowest place even though He was once in the highest place. Jesus is the one who cried from the cross, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? Why have You turned away from Me? He's the one who became the poorest of all. Taking the wrath of God. Taking the sin of humanity upon Himself. The rebellion of His people. The iniquity, the perversions of His people. And God put Him down. He struck Him dead. He knows what it's like to be separated from God. There is no greater poverty than to be separated from God. You can have all the money in the world. But if you're separated from God, you're impoverished. And it's only when we look at Him that we can effectively serve and care for others who are in need. That's what Jesus teaches us. The people scolded this woman. In verse 6, Jesus says, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing for me. She's sown her love and devotion for me. Jesus poured Himself out for us to teach us how to pour ourselves out for others. The indignation of the disciples, the instigation of the chief priests and scribes and Judas. Notice how in 14 verses 1 and 2 it's the scribes and and chief priests who are seeking how to arrest Him in order to kill Him. And in verses 10 and 11 it's Judas who is seeking an opportunity to betray Him. And in the middle of this, we find this woman sharing devotion for Jesus the way we all should. We must see loving and being devoted to Jesus as the core calling that we all have. Our love and our devotion to Jesus Christ is what sets the tone for all of our faith and love and hope in this life. Being devoted to Jesus is what sets the tone and what, it's what constrains us to love others and to serve others the right way. Our love and devotion for Jesus Christ who became the poorest, who became sin, who became a curse. It is our prioritized passion for Jesus that will teach us how to have passion for those in poverty. It is the foundation for our love. It is the fountain from which genuine compassion for the poor springs. And His love for us is the frame that informs all of our service and care for the poor. We always have an opportunity to do good for the poor, Jesus says. The opportunity is always there. But when the Holy Spirit calls us daily to worship Jesus. When He calls us to the foot of the cross, when He calls us to the throne of grace, just to worship Jesus. Sometimes in our hearts we may foolishly think, this is a waste of time, i got to get to work. It's, it's a waste of time, i got things to do. I've got so much on my plate today. And remember Mary, how she sat at Jesus' feet and Martha was so busy with all of the serving and all of the preparations, and she came out with all of her serving, you see. She didn't prioritize worship. She didn't prioritize Jesus and passion for Him. And she came out and she railed at Jesus. She railed at her sister. Lord, tell her to help me. Lord, don't You care that my sister has left me all by myself? See, everything's wrong. Our thoughts about Christ are wrong. Our thoughts about others are wrong. We can't serve, we can't care for people unless we sit at Jesus' feet, listen to His words, soak them all in, and turn it into worship for Him. It's what warms our heart. It's what softens our heart. It's what drives us out with the mind of Christ to serve others the right way. Judas, we know, he sold his Master for 30 pieces of silver the price of a slave. This woman is, is contrasted with Judas. How she took all of her, her great expense, her heirloom, it was worth a fortune and she poured it out on Jesus' body. Seemingly wasting it all. There's so much you could have done with that. Do you ever think about that? There's so much you could do with your life. There's so much you could do with your wealth. There's so much you could do with your gifts. But it's so much more important to say, Jesus, here I am with all that I am and all that I have. I'm ready and available for whatever you want. It's all yours. I'm yours. Do whatever you want. It's all up to you. And letting His cross inform you. But Judas Judas sold his master cheaply. Slave labor. You know, he saw, as it says in John, John's account, he saw in that alabaster flask when he said, this could have been sold and the money could have been given to the poor. And the narrator comes in and says, he said this not because he cared about the poor, because he was a thief. He was a thief and he put his hand in the bag and took money for himself. He saw this as losses. Did you do your taxes? Have you counted your losses? So he said, I can at least get 30 pieces of silver out of this deal. He found a deduction. On his Schedule C. He certainly was self-employed with with Satan in his betrayal of Jesus. But when we don't prioritize Jesus, our service is always self-centered and self-absorbed. We will serve to feel good about ourselves, to enrich ourselves, and to devalue Jesus' worth. Or to self-righteously bless ourselves while we think less of others. Jesus would not do any of these things. Remember how Paul said it? Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17 and following, he said, even if I am poured out as a drink offering... Upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Jesus had learned from Calv- Paul had learned from Calvary. He had learned to count others more significant than himself. He'd learned from Calvary how to look for out for the interests of others and not simply his own. But he learned all of those things from Jesus, from fixing on Jesus, from worshiping Jesus, from being devoted to Jesus. If there's any encouragement in Christ, If there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation in the Spirit, any sympathy at all, then make my joy complete, he says. Be of the same mind that Jesus had. Count other people more significant. Look out for the interest of others. And that comes to a conclusion when he says, even if I am being poured out like Jesus as a drink offering, so that your faith might make progress, it's all right, I rejoice because I'm becoming more like Jesus, my Savior, but the only way we can become more like Christ is if we fixate on Jesus. The Bible says we all with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus Christ are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. The only way we can care for anybody rightly is to keep our eyes fixated on Jesus Christ and how He has passionately cared for us and loved us. If you want to Be like Paul, better like Jesus, to live selflessly with passion. You and I need to be obsessed. Obsessed with Jesus. Constrained by love. Constrained by Jesus' love for you. Paul said, it's the love of Christ that compels me to no longer live for myself, but for the One who died and was raised again on my behalf because he was convinced that Jesus suffered for him. It's His love that compels us on. You, have, you, you were poor, and you've been made rich. Don't ever forget that reality. You were bankrupt. Your account was filled with nothing but negatives. And Jesus canceled your debt. He paid your fine. He, 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 he gave you a new line of credit. Isn't that right? He put your name on His account. He made you a beneficiary. He made you a, a joint account holder. Isn't that right? You're, you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Everything His is yours by grace. Don't ever forget these things. Jesus said that what this woman did would be remembered everywhere the gospel is proclaimed. Do you know what the prophet said about that? He said, those people who are truly devoted to Jesus, those people who are truly devoted to the Lord, listen to what it says. It says, let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuchs say, behold, I am a dry tree, for thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who keep that devotion to the Lord, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. God gives us a name. He gives us a brand new name. He is worthy of our worship. Old hymn writers used to say it as a new name, right? Written down in glory. And it's mine but the greatest name of all is the name of Christ himself placed on you. You're his. He's yours. I will be your God, he says, and you will be my people. We belong to him, and we're called to worship him because he's given us the victory. By his blood, by his righteousness, he's given us the victory. We have a reason to shout all about and not pout because we've got clout from Jesus Christ who was in the bout and won the fight for us and for the glory of God. Isn't that right? So we've got reason to be devoted and extravagant and prodigal in our worship of Jesus. Sometimes we're concerned about what people might say and what people might think. If I I worship Jesus now, What will they say about me? Who cares what they say about you? What are they saying about you up in glory? What does the book of life say about you in glory? What does Jesus say about you in glory? He's interceding for you. He's praying for you. He's shouting your name before the Father in glory. So we should have no problem worshiping him and being extravagant in our devotion and love for him so that we might know how to navigate and maneuver in every single relationship like him and for his glory. Let's pray. Our Father, in Jesus' name, we give thanks to you because you are good to us. Father, we're thankful because you sent your son to die and to be prodigal and extravagant in his passion for your glory, first of all, but for our good as well. And Father, we, we, we praise you that, that your glory in your providence would include our good, and that Jesus would give up his life for us. Father, help us in our, in our desire to be, to be servants of others, our desire to be at the service of the Lord, to never sidestep our devotion and our worship of Jesus for what He did in His death, in His burial, in His resurrection for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.